Drew and I are back with another damn sports podcast after a long hiatus after the Super Bowl. We are going to talk to Pat McMahon about college basketball. He is our degenerate analyst on all things gambling with college basketball. And he'll, he's going to help you save some money, but also give you some insight on all things college hoops. And we are going to talk about everything there is to know about the NFL offseason, all here on another damn sports podcast. So now we are going to welcome our degenerate analyst, Pat McMahon, back on the show to give us an update on the college basketball slate. Pat, how's it going, man? Doing good. How about you guys? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course, man. We're always excited to have you on, seeing as you are definitely the college basketball expert of our podcast. Uh, you have been on a tear lately. At one point, you were fi- 14 of 15 with your uh, Twitter picks for gambling. Um, I can't remember. what. Do you know what your actual record is in the last like month or so? Um, so I think since I started giving out my favorite uh, bet every day, I think it's 25 and 9 right now is what I'm sitting at. A little over 75%, that's, I think. Yeah, that's pretty damn good. So if you guys uh, are going to get into sports betting, and uh, you, you want to follow someone and get some wins, I would definitely check out Pat McMahon Hoops on Twitter, and he will give you a win at least 75% of the time <laughs> if past holds up, right? Yes, sir. That's the, uh, that's the goal. Hopefully you can keep that going throughout the rest of the year. Yep. Hopefully you, you can keep that going, and hopefully uh, the exciting college basketball slate stays as exciting as it has because this year is definitely different from any year that I have remembered in recent history because – the entire field is so even, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. There's always been, uh, you know, there's been a few years where there's, you know, not really some dominant teams, but you look at, you know, when you take a look at who you think has the ability to win it, it's, you know, still only three to five teams. But this year, I struggle to even pick, like, any team that I think is, is uh, you know, is, com- is complete enough to win it all. But it's got to be someone. So, um, you know, it's going to be a really exciting tournament. Yeah, I mean, you look at the parity here. I mean, you have the number one Kansas at twenty six and three, but then like everybody else is like the same. Like Dayton's twenty seven and two, Gonzaga's twenty nine and two, and you usually you don't see teams with eighteen wins in the top twenty five. But Michigan's at eighteen and eleven. You know, they're, and they're a top twenty five team this year. Like, but everybody's just it's gone so back and forth. You see great teams losing and like not so great teams winning. It's it, it, traditionally like who would have thought like a team like North Carolina would be as bad as they are this year. That's true. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's it's pretty. It's just been crazy, like you said. Just teams um, are just so inconsistent. Uh, you know, up and down with the losses. Like, like yeah, Michigan. I think was top four early in the year when they beat um, Gonzaga in uh, the battle for Atlantis, and then they just went on a losing tear. All of a sudden, win a couple games, they're back up again, uh, and that's just kind of you know, good an, an analogy of how the the season's been for pretty much everybody. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing with Michigan and all the teams in the Big Ten is that all of, the Big Ten, I think, is the deepest mm-hmm. conference in college basketball. Like, Absolutely. they don't have the best, but everybody can beat anybody on any, any given night. And I think that the AP uh, factors that into Michigan's right. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Actually, I think Wisconsin, actually, as of today, is um, number one in the league. Like, they would win the tiebreaker. And no one saw that coming, you know, a month ago. Even in. Um, but it shows how close that conference has been all year. It'll be a great tournament, one of the better conference tournaments for sure to watch. Hey, would you agree with this? In the, in the AP Top uh, 25, they have Creighton ranked at number 11, but the coaches poll has them all the way down at 14. 
behind Duke, Villanova, and Oregon, who they're above in the AP top 25. Do you think that's fair? Or do you think that coaches are undervaluing Creighton? Right oh, now? I think they are undervaluing Creighton for sure. I think um, I actually have them in the top 10. I think I have them at eight or nine this week. Uh, when you look at their resume, they got some crazy good wins and, um, you know, more impressive than some of these other teams ahead of them. And the other thing that I like about Creighton is they've shown the ability to win on the road. Uh, I believe they've beaten both Seton Hall and Villanova on the road. So, yes, they have seven losses, but they've played a crazy tough schedule. Um, and, you know, outside of the loss at St. John's on Sunday, don't really have a bad one. Uh, but, yeah, no, Creighton's a very dangerous team. Uh, you know, they got three really good guards I could score. A uh, team to watch in March for sure. And I think, I think honestly, deserving of, of a two seed, depending on, you know, how they uh, fare in the Big, Big East tournament. And it's so incredible that a team like Creighton you're projecting as a two seed. And then we also have teams like – Dayton and San Diego State. Dayton, part of the, the Bonnies Conference, the A-10. It's just incredible that these teams are so high and they have such incredible records. Like, Do you think that they are teams that can compete for that national title coming out of those mid-major conferences? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Both those teams, I think, have a legit shot. Uh, you know, I, I mean, Dayton, I knew they were good. I didn't think they would be this good this year. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about Obi Toppin, how, and, you know, deservedly so. He's, he's I think one of two guys that have any chance of winning the uh, Naismith player of the year award. Um, and, but it's the rest of the team is, is so strong. They just play really good team defense. Got a number of, of guys that can score. Um, and I was just watching San Diego state earlier today. Uh, actually we're in a little bit of trouble first half against air force, but you know, they, they pulled away in the second half uh, kind of similar to Dayton, just a lot of veteran guys, really strong defensive team, great point guard. Um, and, you know, no matter what conference you play in, like winning that many games is ridiculous, ridiculously hard. And for Dayton going, um, I think they, they do have one more game on Saturday. I forget who they play, but they might go undefeated in A-10 play in regular season 18-0. and um, That's, that's you know, no small feat. And they're for sure, um, you know, going to be a team that no one wants to see in March. Now you're saying that you were watching the Air Force versus San Diego State game. Weren't you supposed to be working? What are you doing? Hey, you know, a little working from home. I got uh, got the TV on in the background. You know how it is. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I, I had it on at my desk, too, so you're not alone. <laughs> See, at least he admits he was at home. You were actually at the office, so that's, that's more bad mark on you. Uh, you know, Pat, in the uh, bottom of the 20, top 25 in the coaches' poll, they have Butler. Butler didn't even make the top 25 in the AP poll. Do you think that – Butler should be there in the AP poll versus like a team like Michigan. Butler's twenty and nine. Michigan's eight. Um, yeah, I, I do think Butler. I think I have them around twenty four or twenty five. I think they should be be in there towards you know the bottom of the poll. But they they've been deserving too. They've had a little bit of a skid lately, and I think that's something you see with um, you know voters in the AP is it's all just recency bias. Like how like oh this team lost like two game two of the last three games. And I'm going to drop them out. But I think you got to take a look at the whole body of work when evaluating teams like that. And Butler's had some really good wins. And, you know, not, and that's a good record for um, the Big East, who's, you know, right up there with the Big Ten, I think, for the best and uh, deepest conferences in college basketball. Yeah, no, I was actually just about to ask you about that. The Big East is stacked. so stacked. Xavier, yeah, Xavier, Providence, Butler, uh, and blanking out, Villanova. Mm-hmm. So like they have some great teams in that conference. Where are some teams that are outside of the top twenty-five that you think could actually make a splash? Um, so you staying with the Big East. I really like Providence. They're playing unbelievable right now. That's, I was going to say Providence be my, my. They had some. Well. We, they had some bad losses in the non-conference, but they've just been tearing it up. Uh, 
in Big East play after beating Xavier last night, they've beaten every single team in the Big East. Like all, like they they've just been phenomenal, especially you know given how they started the year. And I think one of the issues they had, they have this point guard grad transfer, Lawani Pipkins from. Um, UMass and at UMass they were pretty bad his last couple of years there. So he and he was the best player far and away. So he was just kind of a gunner, like could shoot whenever he wants, averaged you know more than twenty a game. And then he came into a Providence te- uh, team that had a lot of other talent around him. So his style of play that he was used to at UMass didn't really uh, mesh with the rest of the guys um, that much early on. But I think they finally have figured out some chemistry. You know he's learned to kind of take a step back, not, not shoot as much, but just be more of a team player. And you can really see how that's affected them. So, you know, if Providence is in there at like a 10 or 11 seed, something, some team I would not want to see in the first, even the second round, um, I can definitely see them, you know, making a sweet 16 run. What about the team that made a huge run last year? Uh, the Texas Tech Red Raiders, they're not in the top 25 currently, but they have a record of 18 and 12. So they're kind of like borderline with everybody else. That's at that bottom tier. Uh, do you think that one? Do you think that they'll make it in, and do you think that they can do the damage they did? Last I year? do think they'll make it because the bubble is relatively weak. They missed a huge opportunity on Monday night against Baylor, lost in overtime. Um, if they had won that one, it would have been, you know, they would have been a lock. But I still think they will get in. You know, probably in that ten, eleven seed range. Um, I mean, I don't think they're going to go to the national title game, Final Four. I don't think they're that good. Um, they're still very strong defensively. It's, they're a tough team to score on. But they lost too much offense production, um, you know, to get, to make a run quite like that. But, you know, they're a team that could win a game or two for sure. What about this Gonzaga team? Like, I, every year I'm always, like, wondering about Gonzaga. They always underperform in the tournament compared to their mm-hmm. expectations. Like, do you think they're going to lead the West Coast Conference after this? And do you think they're going to be actually successful? So that's, that's a great question. That's a team I'm having a tough time figuring out too this year because I look at them coming in to the past couple years and I'm someone that's always high in Gonzaga. I think I picked them to win it all last year. They had a disappointing loss. I believe it was to Texas Tech in the Elite Eight. Um, But, you know, they made that national title game appearance 2017. And since then, they've always been like this good. They have some really good guards. They're big. They always have like three big guys that you can count on, like 6'10", 7-footers that can shoot, super skilled. But this year's team, the guard play isn't as good as they've been, you know, in, in probably eight, ten years for Gonzaga. But yet they're still 29-2. and two. And I think that's – like, they're significantly less talented than they've been in years past. But I think as a result of what we've talked about, how much parity there is this season, they're still able to win 29 games. So, like, I, you know, my initial response is I don't think they can go to the Final Four, but – just you never know like like just just what we, we've been saying it, it, it's it's so unpredictable i think if they get in a a bracket with a good matchup with you know the right matchups they'll have a shot but i think they're probably going to fall short um but you never know you know pat as a conference this year the uh, acc is not very strong but as far as the teams that are top ranked like florida state like louisville like duke i still think that they're going to do significant damage in the tournament and maybe when it gets down to the Sweet 16 Elite Eight, we might see all three of those teams represented. Do you, do you feel confident in all three of them, or do you think that they're a little overrated? What's your opinion on those uh, top two? Yeah, I think teams? you kind of nailed it right ahead. Um, obviously, the league's down, but I do think all three of those teams are high on my list of, uh, you know, to, to go far, um, especially Duke and Louisville. Florida State, I think, at times can struggle scoring the ball. That's why I don't see them 
maybe making a final four, but they, they're so athletic and play such good D. I still think they'll, they'll probably get to sweet 16 elite eight, but uh, Duke and, and uh, Louisville, you know, they've had their ups and downs, but at the end of the day, they're two of the probably five or six most talented teams in the country. And, um, you know, I, I think both teams are, are very, very legit final four contenders. All right. Well, uh, I know it makes all the Syracuse fans sad to hear that uh, Pat believes that Duke is a strong team. <laughs> I hate uh, to say it as well. Speaking of Syracuse, yeah. Uh, speaking of Syracuse, obviously they have had an incredibly, incredibly disappointing season. Uh, they're most likely not going to make the tournament unless they make some miracle run in the ACC tournament. What well, What is your overall review of the Syracuse season so far, and what, what do you have to look forward to with this Orange squad? Um. So I think you know. Looking forward, it's it's great to see the progress Buddy Beheim made this year. And Joe Girard, while he's been a little bit inconsistent shooting the ball, like he's a player, you know, that that, that guy is going to be a great player for you to come. He's he's fearless. He's a he's smart, good ball handler. Um, so once he starts, you know, knock his shots down consistently, he's going to be a stud, and that's going to be a really tough backcourt. Um, but, you know, as far as a review of this year, it's just – I think they were just all year long just missing some consistency inside. Uh, you you kind of seen Ramos Adibe step it up a little bit uh, the past couple games. I think he had, what, 17 and, like, 15 against North Carolina. Great game there. But they can never really get consistent offense from down low. Um, and uh, even though this team was a better shooting team than we've seen in years past, they weren't great defensively. Um, you know, they just didn't have the, don't have the length that um, – most Syracuse defenses do, uh, especially, you know, with the fact considering you had to have Hughes, Gerard, and Beheim, all three of them on the court, that kind of leaves you a little less athletic, uh, especially in the back of the zone. So, you know, obviously disappointing season. There was a couple games that, you know, if, if it went their way, maybe they do are in a decent position in March, but this was not that a crazy talented team. So you can't be too upset with how the season's gone. Um, but I think there's obviously some promise going forward and I, they just got to get a good, you know, solid big man in the next, either a grad transfer or, you know, in the next year or two in recruiting. And um, then these guys could be, could be really good down the road, especially with the, the promising backcourt they'll have for the next couple of years. Yeah. I mean, the frustrating thing about watching Syracuse this year for me was that the last couple of seasons, they've been a really great defensive team, but they could not score the basketball. Like every game you watch at Syracuse was like, 44 to 40 or 50 to 49. And this year they actually have, haven't had that much of a hard time scoring the ball, but they can't right. stop anybody. Like we're watching Duke. All Duke did was throw it in the paint and they scored every single time. Like it wasn't even like contested. It was just so frustrating. And I think we can all agree. The most exciting point of this whole season was Jimmy Fallon conducting the Syracuse <laughs> band at the North Carolina game. Right. I mean, that had to be the most exciting thing that we ever saw. Pretty in much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I totally agree about the uh, lack of an interior force. You know, like you said, or like you told me a few weeks ago, it was very unfortunate that Syracuse missed out on oh, name, yeah. Isaiah Stewart if from Washington. He, if he had come to Syracuse, then this is a top 15, top 20 team because he's like, and he's so good defensively and just like a beast on the interior. Like he, he would finish all those shots that they never could and could bail them out. Yeah, so if we had. Yeah, exactly. So if we had someone like that on the team, it would this would just be a completely different team. But 
Uh, I guess we, we get to look forward to next year to see Joe Girard's development. I mean, obviously, Elijah Hughes is most likely going to go to the NBA draft. I definitely would if I was him because of how weak this uh, draft class is. And I guess we'll, we'll ask you about that real quick. Just like now that we've seen most of the regular season, uh, what do you think about potential NBA draft prospects? Who do you think is going to know? So I actually kind of think the way the season's gone, all the collegiate players, kind of, like the top guys kind of hurt their stock a little bit. Um, like Anthony Edwards, I think he's kind of considered to be, uh, you know, the top, if not one, the number two pick. But he's just been very inconsistent for Georgia. He has the tools. Um, it's pretty obvious. Like, he's a very great athlete, has a good jump shot, can get to the rim, explosive. But, like, he'll have games where he shoots, like, five for 17. And it happens way too often. Where I, if, I had, if I was a number one team with a number one pick, I would not, you know, take a guy like that with such a low shooting percentage. Um and, and then you look at James Wiseman. I mean, unfortunate situation for him. Uh, only played, what, like two or three games for Memphis. Uh, spent the rest of the year. And even in those couple games, he did play. And there was, you know, he wasn't overly impressive. Uh, Cole Anthony, you know, kind of same deal. He, he, except injury for him is what really slowed him down. And even when he came back, these last few games hasn't been great. So from everything I've been hearing and reading, it looks like LaMelo Ball is actually kind of the front runner for the number one pick now. Um, you know, Alonzo's younger brother, obviously, uh, who's had a great year in Australia – or, sorry, New Zealand, and he's up to uh, – he's 6'8 now, too. Uh, the kid's just been growing and is a true point guard. So I think he, he's going to end up being the number one pick when it's all said and done. Pat – Tell us honestly, is LeVar Ball like within hearing distance of what you just said? Is that why you said what you just said? Because he's been shouting that in your ear or something? What? Or you're afraid he's going to show up at your Let's door? just say he may have been in the building last night when I saw um, Zion, when I saw uh, Lonzo and Zion play the Pelicans. And, uh, yeah, he might have he might have planted that in me. Um, you know, I will not confirm or deny that. You know, when I was watching that game last night, I noticed that Lonzo Ball's really developed a jump shot. He's, oh, yeah, he's he had, like, five or six player. threes. I think getting out of L.A. has, like, helped him so much, like, mentally. Um, just way less pressure, like, media circus surrounding him. And he, he is a really good player. Like, he's he's kind of underrated at this point. He's, he's one of the best probably two or three passers in the NBA. And like you said, is all of a sudden has a jump shot now. So he's, he's going to be a great player down the road. And, um, you know, I think – I think that actually the, his development kind of helps Lamelo's case too a little bit um, because he's got a similar yeah. style of play. Yeah. Yeah, for those of you uh, listening, uh, Pat was telling us before we started recording that he was at the Mavs-Pelicans game last night. Uh, you know, Pat, give us a little bit of uh, what you're telling us about seeing Luka Doncic in person for the first time. And yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, Doncic is unbelievable. He – he can just do whatever he wants on the court. Like it's, it's so impressive. And he, and he does it like slowly, like he'll jog up the court, but then like, you know, as soon as you try to pressure him, he can blow by you. If you lay off him a little bit, he has that step back that is just lethal. Um, and he had a couple of those last night, uh, you know, in, in crunch time. Um, Zion didn't have the best game, but like he just has three or four of those plays a game where you're just, it, it just wows you. Like this, this dude is a crazy athlete where he's just bullying guys five inches taller than him on the way to the rim. He's just a crazy physical specimen. So it was really cool seeing those guys in action. Yeah, Porzingis mm-hmm. had a monster game too. Looks like so did so did yeah. Curry. Yeah, it was a great game. Uh, this dude I'd never heard of from the Pelicans hit a three at the buzzer or with like one second left to send into overtime, and it was his only bucket of the game. Um, but yeah, it was it was really exciting. Fun game to go to. 
Was was Patrick Mahomes in the building? Yeah, Mahomes in the building. They showed him uh, on the jumbotron. Him and Des Bryant was uh, sitting with him too. Yeah, because he's a he's a big he's yep. a big Mass fan. Dan. Yeah, it was a very uh, fun game to go to. Uh, going back to Zion real quick, I, I've noticed that number one, he seems to be a little out of shape. Which I, I mean, I get it. He was out for most of the season, but mm-hmm. he still has to get his legs under him. And the NBA pace is a lot faster than college basketball. Um, but do you think he, he really he really needs to start working on expanding his offensive arsenal? Because I feel like people are going to figure out how to defend against him and draw charges on him constantly because he plays so so physical down low. And nowadays, right. like, you can't do that without getting Yeah, I think he's definitely um, – you'll see it probably this offseason. He'll, he'll work on a lot of things, you know, uh, you know, be more of a finesse player, develop more of a t- touch outside – um, but, you know, he's only played, like, what, like 10 games or so in the NBA. He's still getting his feet under him. But I think, um, yeah, if, if, he's st- if he can stay healthy and get a full offseason of work, I think you'll definitely see him uh, show some improvements in, in other areas offensively. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a great player for, you know, 10, 15 years. All right. Well, uh, we'll leave it with this. Pat. Your Bonnies, they're going to be playing in the A-10 tournament next weekend. You will be going. Our other uh, coworker, Pat, will be going as well. Um, who's going to win the A-10 tournament? Is it going to be the Bonnies? Is it going to be Dayton? Man. What do you think? That's a, that's a <laughs> tough question. Um, still got a, another you know, weekend of games before the seeding um, is all figured out. Bonnies will probably be somewhere in the four to six seed range. I almost would rather have them be the six seed so they wouldn't have to see Dayton until the final game. Um but you know what? I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with my uh, heart and not my head here. St. Bonaventure Bonnie is gonna take it home in Brooklyn. Um, you'll see us in the you'll see us in March. All Syracuse Notre Dame let me down this year, but I know one of my favorite teams will be will be playing in the Big Dance. So uh, let's go, Bonnies! Oh boy, the Homer pick <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, all right, Pat. Well, I think that that wrap up our uh, basketball talk. I really appreciate you coming on. You always give us so much good knowledge, and uh, I'm sure everybody's going to be happy to be updated. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. To kick things off with the NFL offseason talk, we have a lot of football talk here today, Drew, but we're going to start with the team that means so much to you, and they. Uh, I think they're breaking your hearts this week. I mean, you know, A.J. Boye traded to the Denver Broncos for a fourth-round draft pick. They – Obviously, they traded Ramsey during the season. So it's two guys that were really impactful on that run you guys had at the AFC Championship only two years ago. And it looks like they're shopping Nick Foles. What's your thoughts on all these moves? Well, I've been telling everybody that has been asking me about all this stuff is I don't think there is another NFL franchise in the league that has such a bleak future. Like, there's no way they're going to be contenders within the next couple of years unless Gardner Minshew turns into Tom Brady. You know, um, releasing Bouye, I get it. Like he was by far and away our best corner on the team, but he's he was definitely declining and he cost a lot of money. So getting rid of Bouye is going to open up a lot of cap space for us to sign someone else. Um, the whole thing with uh, Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, it sucks. And the Jaguars are probably going to screw him over by franchise tagging him, which means that he's probably just going to hold out. Because the reports are that he he wants out of Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because he wants to be paid a ridiculous amount. Like, I get it. You, you want to reset the market. You're like, oh, I, I'm one of the best defensive ends in the league, so that means I should be paid as such. 
But to ask for, I think they said he was asking for 22 mil a year. Like, that's a lot of money for a team who drafted Josh Allen last year, plays the same position, arguably just as good, and maybe will be even better by the time he gets a big free agent contract. So, right. I mean, I, I get why Anik wants to leave, and I get why the Jaguars won't sign him. It, it's a very disappointing uh, situation to be in for both parties. It's a very disappointing situation for the fans. The fans of the Jaguars have been suffering the most because they found out that they're going to be playing two games in London this year, which <laughs> Jaguar season ticket holders are not happy about because obviously they're losing out on another home game. And it just furthers the narrative that they're going to be the London Jaguars sometime soon. Who, who, are, the, who are the teams that they're playing? I, I don't think they've announced that yet. They've announced who no. it is that it's playing? Yeah, that's, I don't think. That's strange. Yeah. Yeah, well, they usually don't announce that until maybe like a week before the schedule release. And the schedule release is in mid-April. Yeah. Well, because I'm wondering because it's like, are they going to be playing teams in London that are like, the, the away team is going to be a big draw as far as the ticket sales go? Like, you know, if it was somebody like, Aaron Rodgers or, you know, Tom Brady or, you know, one of these big name guys that you want to see play, that really hurts you financially Yeah, that they're playing over in London. And they could play anybody over in London and they're going to get a packed house, you yeah. know? So like that's true. They definitely shouldn't play because they're playing the NFC North next year. So yeah. you're right. So if they play like the Packers, they need to play them in Jacksonville because yeah. that's the only way you're going to get a full stadium down there. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I, I, I think that that will be in Green Bay based on the last time those two teams played. Oh yeah, that's right. That's Green right. Did, yeah. yeah. But but you're right. I mean, I, I'm willing to bet anything that one of those games will be a division game. Yeah. Usually it is, but mm-hmm. and maybe one of them will be an out of conference game to get the excitement there. But yeah, it's really disappointing as a friend watching you go through this. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate because that it's you just like, like my sanity. Well, because it's like, you know, this was a team that went to the AFC Championship game two years ago. The expectations from every fan when your team goes to the AFC Championship game is, Okay, well, next year they'll improve and maybe be back and hopefully get to a Super Bowl. And that just hasn't happened. I mean, and then you saw them try to bring in Nick Foles to really get the team back on pace after they had a down year the year after the AFC Championship. And minutes into the game, he's hurt. And you have this exciting young guy in Gardner Minshew. You know, he's got the mustache, he's got the American flag bandana, he's got the personality, but not the results. Yeah. Not the results needed to win multiple games. Mm-hmm. So. And you just saw drama with Jalen Ramsey. He gets traded. You know, they they let go of one of the greatest people ever to exist in the National Football League, and Tom Coughlin. So <laughs> they're going to say Blake Bortles. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would that I, I, Pat McMahon will tell you that that was the biggest mistake they've ever made. But I, I disagree. <laughs> you know, it, it just and everybody in their division is going upwards in a trajectory. I don't know if I pronounced that word correctly, but that's pretty much, you know, that's, and, the, and the Jaguars are going down. Everyone else is, the other three teams are going up, they're going down. That's not a good sign. Yeah, well, and the thing that I didn't address in my opening angry monologue is that, like you said, they're trying to shop Nick Foles. The biggest mistake they have made in the past couple years to cause this horrible downturn from the AFC Championship game run was signing Nick Foles for that ridiculously high amount of money. Yeah. Like, I, I get it. Like he was Super Bowl MVP, but I mean that just they were blinded by that. Mm-hmm. And you signed him for guaranteed money that was through the roof, and he's mediocre at best when you have to use him as a long term option at starting quarterback. And I, I really hope some team just makes the dumb decision of trading for him just so we can get his gargantuan contract off of uh, the Jaguars. But I don't think it's going to happen. I'm really, really. I, I think it would actually be kind of funny if Philadelphia was the one that <laughs> went for him. 
That'd be such a waste for them. Why would they spend that much because money? Because Carson Wentz gets broken every year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they could have kept Nick Foles if they had just paid him a little bit more. But they let him go, and then now they're just going to pay a stupid amount to get him back? I think every fan of Philadelphia <laughs> would be on board with that. You know, yeah. There is a statue of Nick Foles. There is not a statue of Carson Wentz. What does That's that tell point. you? That's a good point. You know, That's a good point. So, uh, yeah, I, I – but somebody was going to make the move on Nick Foles after he went on the Super Bowl run, and then the next year he had to step in because Carson Wentz gets broken every year and won another playoff game in Chicago. Granted, it was off of a doink kick by Chicago's kicker. Yeah, he didn't even perform well in that game. No, like, they, he, they lucked into a win because of their defense. He played well in the New Orleans game, though, yeah. and they should have actually won that game. They blew it because Alshon Jeffrey dropped the pass. You That's know. true. Yeah. So oh, I'm not going to, as much as I would like to go on a rant to break Philadelphia Eagles fans' hearts. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be very nice. So, oh, yeah. look at you turning over a new leaf. Yeah, screw Philadelphia. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, to, to jump into, um, you know, to some New York the, Giants the, news, yeah, of course. The, the pity of the Jaguars to the pity of the New York Giants. That's all that's what we talk about on this podcast is the disappointment in our two teams that <laughs> not many people care about right now. <laughs> uh, but the New York Giants have to go after defensive players. And it looks like they're targeting guys like. They want Matthew uh, – I wrote this down. They wrote, they, they're after Matthew Judon from Baltimore. They're after Bud Dupree from Pittsburgh, um, Eric Armstead from San Francisco, and Dante Fowler from the Rams. And they are interested in Yannick Ngakwe from Jacksonville. He hey, actually, he said the name right. Look I had to that. practice before the show, but I got it right. <laughs> we all know on this podcast I don't pronounce names very well. Um, he wants to be a giant, according to reports. But like you said earlier, he's going to get franchise tagged by the Jaguars. And that's what – all these other guys are most likely going to be franchise tags by each of their individual teams. The only person that I hear, I've heard reports that the Giants are after, and I'm sure other teams will be after him as well, is um, is Clowney. Oh yeah, of course. Because Clowney's an he's a free agent. Yeah. The Seahawks cannot franchise tag mm-hmm. him. So I don't know if the Giants are going to go after him or not because they did just cut Ogletree, and I don't know if they're wanting to spend money on a guy like Clowney. But at the same time, I feel like you do need some veteran leadership on your defense. Because the Giants were horrible at covering, like they, the, their line was their strongest part, and their line stunk. <laughs> you know, like they, they're just they're not very good, and it's so yeah. disappointing. They have to go after they have to go after linebackers in the draft. I think they should, it's smart to go after defensive linemen in free agency. It, it's just, and it sucks seeing coach room photos and Jason Garrett sitting there. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> I know it feels so weird. He's not. The, it's so weird to see. Him. Like, <laughs> why is a cowboy in the room? Yeah, and he's gonna be in charge of your offense. Oh god! Like, like, how did this happen? I think this is karma for you bashing Garrett all those years. Uh, yeah, I'll always make fun of the fact that all he does is clap on the sideline. Yeah, line. now you get to see him clap on the New York Giants sideline uh, next to what's Joe Judge? Is his name? What's his name? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what your guys' quarterback or coach was. That is exactly another problem I have with the Giants offseason. Who's their coach? Who knows? <laughs> no one knows anything about him. Oh, man. Well, uh, why don't we move on and talk about teams that may be a little bit more relevant in the upcoming season? Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because it's really the teams that the team that will either benefit or hurt from this move this offseason is who is going to get their hands on the six-time Super Bowl champion, Tom Brady, because Tom Brady was at the Syracuse game, and you saw Julian Edelman. I don't know if a lot of people caught this, but Julian Edelman goes, he's coming back, he's coming back, and Tom Brady shakes his head no and goes, he's not. <laughs> hey. You know, so there's another hint that he may leave the Patriots. I mean. Yeah. People like to read into every single 
movement that he's making right now because if he leaves the Patriots, that might be one of the single biggest offseason moves in, in NFL history. Well, it's just a testament to the NFL that the fact that their offseason is more exciting than the regular season of a lot of other sports. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like it's definitely more uh, exciting than the regular season the NBA. Like, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you, you turn on ESPN, Fox Sports, any sports show, what are you hearing? Where's Tom Brady going? Yeah. So I wanted to play a little game here, okay? We're gonna, I'm going to ask you, and I'll give my take on it after, is I'm going to give you the rumored teams that he might go to this offseason, and I want you to give me on a scale of 1 to 10 the likelihood of it happening. 10 being, oh, that I see that happening, or 1 being like, no, that's BS. Yeah. Okay, ready? Yep. So I'm going to start with one that's been really out there. Um, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. The Las Vegas Raiders. For some reason, I don't feel like that's going to happen. I'm going to give that one a 4. Okay. I, I think, I mean, obviously they're going to move on from Derek Carr. I mean, I hope they do because obviously Derek Carr isn't the answer, but I just feel like Tom Brady, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into this when you say some of the other teams, but I just feel like some of the other potential teams have a more uh, built team around them to be successful. And obviously Tom Brady's years are limited. Yeah. I'm going to give them a five because I don't, I, I don't think the pieces are there. I mean, they're, they're actually getting better and they showed that this year. I, I just don't see it. I, I know John Gruden's good with older quarterbacks. He's had success in the past, but I don't know. There's just something about the Raiders that I just I don't I, I don't think Tom Brady's going to want to go there. The only draw is the fact that they're in a new city with a new stadium, and it's going to be all excitement for the Raiders to start sure. off. Yeah, that's the only. And, and they have some young pieces in, in their offense that would yeah. be attractive to a quarterback. Um, this one's going to sting. The Tennessee Titans. Uh, in terms of fit and logic, I'm going to give it an eight. I think Tom Brady going to the Titans makes so much sense because they have a solid run game. They have a solid receiving core. They have a solid defense. They have a team that is built to make the Super Bowl. And if if you just took out Ryan Tannehill and put in Tom Brady, inserted Tom Brady in those situations that they were put in during the playoffs last year, I think the Titans would have made the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm going to give it a nine because yeah. not only is it a good fit as far as the pieces that are already in place, but the head coach is his former teammate. Mike Frabel, who he's won multiple Super Bowls with, they get along fantastically. That's I, I, if it's not New England, that's who I I probably would see him going to. I mean, I think it's just a great fit, and I think if he were to go to the Titans, hands down, they're winning the AFC South. Yeah, no, they would definitely be the front runners. And the only thing that could keep this from happening is I remember seeing just a random headline that the Titans are working on a contract for Ryan Tannehill. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to happen, but it's in the works, potentially. Yep. What about the Los Angeles Chargers? Uh, the Chargers as an organization, I mean, it, I'm sure it's not as enticing to Tom Brady to go play for the Chargers right now because, I mean, they're playing in L.A. and they have, like, zero fans. Hmm. Um, so I, I'll give that a six. I think it's more likely than the Raiders. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I, I would give a 6.5 <laughs> because <laughs> I, I think L.A. is attractive. I think that they have some pieces in place that would be attractive for Tom Brady to go play in. But the fan base just isn't there. And I just, I, look, Eli Manning rigged the draft so that he wouldn't have to go there. <laughs> so, and, he, and, and Tom Brady knows that Eli's a smart guy. <laughs> so I think he'll uh, do the same thing, not want to go to, but in this case, he wants to worry about the Chargers drafting him and having to work a trade out. He doesn't have to go. There you go. Um, okay, what about the Indianapolis Colts? Another AFC South rival of yours. 
is a potential landing spot for them. This one makes sense. I mean, it'd be it would make a lot of sense if he went to the Colts and then Jacoby Brissett went to the Patriots. You know, like what if what if it, they worked out like a deal like that? The old switcheroo. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't think that's going to happen, but I will I will give this one a seven. I think that Tom Brady would fit the Colts very well. I will. It would look so of all the teams he could potentially go to. This one would look the most strange yeah. because of all the years of the rivalry between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, Patriots, Colts, and Colts fans hate Tom Brady, <laughs> have hated him for years. And it, to see him wear a Colts uniform, I'm sure they would embrace him, but it would just look so weird. It would be similar to like when we saw Brett Favre in a Minnesota Vikings jersey. Yes, yes. It would be the same exact thing. Yes, because even seeing him in a Dolphins jersey would not be as weird no. as seeing him in a Colts because the Dolphins – yeah, <laughs> you know. any of the AFC's teams. But yeah, like he has had so many incredible battles with Indianapolis over the years. Here's some of the less likely ones, but I think they're the most, story-wise, most interesting. The San Francisco 49ers. I knew you were going to say, yeah, San Francisco, if they didn't just throw a shit ton of money at Jimmy G and they had some sort of cheap quarterback right now, then I think that would make the most sense because Tom Brady obviously is from California. He grew up a huge 49ers fan. Would have made the most sense. Yeah, and then here's one that I hope, hope to God, does not come true. But Dak Prescott's gonna be holding out in Dallas if he doesn't get an extension on his deal. What if Jerry Jones were to say, you know what, Tom Brady would love to be a Cowboy, so I'll let you go, Dak, and I'm gonna have Tom Brady win a Super Bowl right now. Because Jerry Jones is getting older and he's not gonna be around. Like, to, I'm sure he's gonna live multiple years. I'm not, you know, saying proclaiming he's going to die anytime soon. What I'm saying is that he's probably not going to be in the, doing the day to day stuff that he's been doing for years as the GM. I, I think if if he really gets really greedy and wants to win right now, yeah. No. Who, who who do you think is a better shot to win right now, Tom Brady or Dak Prescott? Oh, absolutely, Tom Brady. Um, that would, that would be so odd seeing him in a Dallas Cowboys jersey too. And oh my God, Dallas Cowboys fans would not. Stop! If they ended up signing Tom Brady, they're already like over the moon that they signed Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be able to watch Undisputed all next year because oh, yeah. all Skip talks about is Tom Brady and the Cowboys. So if they're on one team, it's gonna be unbearable. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, and those are the biggest rumor teams: is uh, Dallas, San Francisco, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Colts, the Titans, uh, and, and and maybe Miami. But I, I'm not even giving that. Anything, and then what's the likelihood he stays in New England? I th- I'd probably put it at. I'd put it at an eight. Yeah, yeah, seven or an eight. Probably mm-hmm. as likely as if he was going to be signed with the Titans. I think. I think those are going to be the two options. Either he goes to New England or he he gets signed by the Titans. Here's something interesting. Talking about the other quarterbacks that could potentially be new spots. Well, we know Philip Rivers, if he plays next year, will be in a new spot because the Chargers, Chargers, and Rivers have already announced they're going separate ways. Um, so Philip Rivers is in the pool of quarterbacks that could be in a new spot. Andy Dalton has one year left with the, with the Bengals, but we all know they're drafting Burrow with the number one pick. Yeah. So they could trade him away. So, so you could trade him away for something. Winston could be traded from the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he's, he's either a free agent or he only has one year left on his deal. I think he has one year left. He has one year left. So, you know, he could be traded. Uh, and then obviously if Dak Prescott holds out. I uh, heard this rumor yesterday, and I don't think it's a bad idea. If Tom Brady does leave New England, what do you think about Jameis Winston getting traded to the Patriots? Oh, my gosh. I think Bill Belichick would have a heart attack with how many interceptions that fucking Winston well, I think throw. Bill would calm him down. Oh, I agree. They'd calm him down. Him. But you can't just, like, instantly turn him into a smart quarterback that only makes good decisions. Like, he's still going to – maybe he won't throw 
40 picks in a season, he'll just throw 25. You know, but still way more mistakes than Tom Brady ever made. I, I also heard that Bill Belichick would be interested in working with Andy Dalton. Yes, I did hear about that. That would be interesting because we know how much Buffalo fans love Andy Dalton. They won't for much longer. Yeah, <laughs> either that or they will because Andy Dalton will make the Patriots suck and then the Bills will beat them. You never know. Well, I, I, I said this the other day. I, you hear all the time people that are Jets fans, Bills fans, not so much from Dolphins fans because they know that they stink. But <laughs> but it's like, you know, once Tom Brady and Bill Belichick break up, you know, the division will be ours. How funny would it be if Tom Brady leaves the Patriots and they still win the AFC East? Oh, yeah. No, I honestly think that's a solid chance, too. I mean, they still have one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best coach of all time. And they still have a decent team around them. They have a great defense. Yeah. You know, they have a good run game. I, I mean, it's possible. I, I think Bills fans need to chill with the excitement if Tom Brady leaves. Because yeah. I was talking with um, one of my coworkers about this. The Bills are going to have a tough schedule next year, man. It's not, oh. gonna be, it's not an easy road back to the playoffs. I think the Buffalo Bills had a fantastic 2019 season. But I I have to say, Nick, when Nick Padula was on with us, he said that they, was, they were beneficiaries of their schedule. Their schedule was not very difficult. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to be as good next year, I, even though it's going to be a lot of the same players. They're playing a lot of tough home games next year. I know they play the Chiefs at home, and I believe they play the – um, Chargers at home too. I guess we don't know what the Chargers are going to look like though without Philip Rivers. But either way, they, they they have a tougher schedule next year, and hopefully they, they can Josh Allen can take a step forward. But the AFC isn't going to be a lock. Yeah, I I think the Bills are interested in trying to make a play for AJ Green, according to ESPN. I also heard they were one of the teams that were uh, interested in Yannick Ngakwe as well. Yeah. So. Well, I'm not surprised. I mean, yeah, they always try to bolster their defense, and they potentially could lose two defensive ends this offseason in Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson. Right. Um, so we'll see what happens there. I, this NFL offseason is going to be interesting, man. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces. I mean, you got some big-name quarterbacks potentially moving around. You got some big-name defensive players moving around, as there always is every offseason. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how it pans out. I am, too. I, I, Bridgewater's going to get a job yep. probably somewhere. He should. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, yeah. Maybe the will the Saints trade Taysom Hill to the Patriots or somebody? That'd be interesting. That'd be a new offense. Definitely different. Yeah. Because Taysom Hill is literally like the opposite of Tom Brady in every way. The exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love it. I think it's going to be so interesting. I, I look forward to seeing who drafts who. I mean, everybody knows that Burrow's going number one, but then after that, it's like, okay, well, where's everybody else going? Yeah, exactly. So, I, and I think if, uh, you know, again, a lot of this, a lot of what other teams do is going to be depending on what Tom Brady does. Like, who gets Tom Brady? Because if Tom Brady leaves New England, New England might draft a quarterback, but they might make a trade for one of these guys. And if one of those teams trade their guy, that the current plan A, what are they? Are they drafting somebody? Are they going to get yeah. one of these, these other guys? Yeah, it's true. It's like a ripple effect. Yeah, like, like everything changes as Tom Brady moves. Right, and he and he is the biggest piece, and he's been the biggest story since the Super Bowl concluded. Yeah, actually, really since he lost. True. To the Titans, that's all people have been talking about. Is Tom Brady going to stay in New England? And there are reports that he's been frustrated with the Patriots um, and that he's, you know, looking to prove that he can do without Bill Belichick. Um, let me ask you this. What do you think – well, who's going to have a better record next year, the team Tom Brady joins or the Patriots? That's a tough question because the teams that we listed – 
they're very different. Like, right. I think if he joins the Titans, I think the Titans are going to have a better record. Yeah, I, I, I think if you were to yeah. join the Titans, if you were to join the Cowboys, if you were obviously to join the 49ers, which is the, so unlikely, but yeah. it would be kind of funny, um, then most definitely. If he joins a team like the Colts or the Chargers. Or the Raiders. Or the Raiders. I, I, I think so, but you never know. You never know. I do love that uh, when Ben Affleck was on first take and get up, uh, he was texting Tom Brady. He goes, so you're returning back to Boston? And Tom Brady sent him the hands up emoji. He's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That's all he said. He didn't say yes or no. He just went like this. Tom Brady's been milking all this attention, and I'm sure he's loving it. Oh, well, I mean, it helps his brand, the TV12 method and everything, all his TV12 products. So any publicity he's going to get is going to be positive for him. Yeah. Because everybody's talking about how they want some TB12. Yeah, no, absolutely. I totally understand that. And uh, we'll keep you guys updated with uh, every big NFL offseason news. I'm sure Mike will love to give you his take because he loves to give his opinion on everything. So That's true. I do. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the NFL talk, and we will move on to some other sports news after this break. I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a project that is very near and dear to the hearts of two of my closest friends, Boho Homo. Their mission is to attempt to understand the human experience and inject an uplifting and positive message into this crazy world that we live in. And you can visit their website to learn more about this incredible community organization at bohohobolifestyle.com. Explore endlessly. All right, so moving on to some other miscellaneous sports news. Uh, there was an exciting boxing match uh, over, what was it, two weekends ago? Or was it last weekend? It was two weekends ago. Yeah, two weekends ago uh, between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. This was the second matchup. The first matchup ended in a draw with Tyson Fury dominating the first matchup from a boxing standpoint, uh, sticking and moving, bobbing and weaving. He's such an incredible boxer. He has such great footwork for someone who is six foot nine. I believe you're there, six foot seven, six foot nine, six foot seven. Either way, he's massive for the heavyweight division. Uh, but he boxes like he's a welterweight against Deontay Wilder, who coming into this fight had 43 wins and 42 knockouts. The dude is has the most insane power in the history of heavyweight boxing. So uh, the second clash between these two fights was highly anticipated. I chose Tyson Fury to win because I always think that the better boxer is going to win in such a high level fight. Um, basically Deontay Wilder was just searching for a way to catch Tyson Fury with those bombs. Like he, he was going to take two shots and hit uh, throw one and hopefully end it. But uh, Tyson Fury outboxed him. And this time, instead of uh, keeping his distance and uh, having a more technical approach to the fight, he bullied Deontay Wilder. He, he pressured him. He was in his face. And Deontay Wilder, as a guy who has 42 knockouts and zero losses, um, he, he's not a guy that's used to fighting while he's backing up. You know, he looked awkward. He didn't know know what to do while he was on his heels. And Tyson Fury uh, took advantage of that. What is your reaction to people who think that the fight was rigged? I was listening to a sports show, and this fan called in. It was uh, the Will Kane show on ESPN, and this fan called in and said, "I think the fight was rigged because this they would force a third match between these two guys." You know, the, the rubber match type of thing. Do you give any merit to that at all? I don't. I think that if it's rigged, you don't get beat down the way that, that he did. Logically, it makes sense because they make stupid amounts of money for these fights. But it you don't bleed out of your ear when you're rigging the fight. <laughs> that's true. And there's no way this was rigged because a third fight was guaranteed either way in their contract. 
Like literally in their contract, it guaranteed that no matter who wins and who loses, the loser can opt for a third fight. And Deontay Wilder did like a day later. So I, I, there's no way it was rigged. Tyson Fury just completely dominated Wilder. Now, did you hear about Wilder's excuse as to why he lost the fight? I did not. So the fight ended in a, on a round seven uh, TKO, but the fight was never close. Tyson Fury was destroying him, and Deontay Wilder looked like that his legs were just not there. He looked like he was a little bit slow. He was kind of sluggish. And he blamed his loss to the fact that he came out in this ridiculous getup that looked like a, a, a knight's armor. Um, and he said it, it weighs about like 40 pounds and he had to wear it for like a half an hour before the fight started. <laughs> so he's like, Oh man, I was too tired. You know, that this armor was way too heavy and you know, it took the legs out from under me. That is ridiculous. Yeah. Dude. First of all, why the hell did you wear that? If you, you should have known that this is one of the biggest fights of your life and you're going to wear this stupid getup that really nobody cares about and people are just going to make fun of on social media. Right. And if anybody who has watched Dragon Ball Z, knows that Goku wears weighted gear, and after he takes it off, he does even better. So that's <laughs> Um, That's great. I didn't think about that. But yeah, no, that's totally true. If anything, that was training. Because yeah. once he took the weight off, he should have been really, really yeah. light in his feet. I, I remember that episode where Tien had to try to lift Goku's boot, and he couldn't even do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although the weight didn't help them when they fought Raditz, but that's your... You know, your yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, but it, it's such a ridiculous excuse that Deontay Wilder... Um, would make, I, I think in the third fight, Tyson Fury wins this fighting him because Tyson Fury is just the better boxer. Wilder is just looking for that lucky punch. He's, he has the puncher's chance, but it, it was an incredible fight and good for Tyson Fury because he, he definitely deserved the win. 100%. Absolutely agree. <laughs> Mike's uh, a big boxing fan, as you can tell. Such an expert. Uh, <laughs> uh, just a quick uh, NBA update. You know, the, the end of the regular season is this month and uh, the beginning of April. Uh, once we get around mid to end April, the uh, NBA playoffs will begin. Um, right now at the top of the Eastern Conference, you have Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami uh, in the top four. And then the bottom four uh, that are in a playoff spot right now are the Indiana Pacers, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, even though they've lost Kyrie for the season, and the Orlando Magic. And at the top of the West, you have the Lakers at number one, Clippers at number two, Denver at number three, and Houston at number four. And then the bottom four of that conference is Houston, Oklahoma City, the Dallas Mavericks, and the Memphis Grizzlies, who are, you know, really an interesting team to be. They're such a young team. That's kind of cool to see them in the eighth spot. Uh, I think of all these matchups potentially that we're going to see, I think the 4-5 matchup in the West between the Houston Rockets and the Utah Jazz will be an exciting series to watch. And then in the Eastern Conference right now, you got the three and the six seed, the Boston Celtics and the Philadelphia 76ers going at it in the first round. I mean – I, I, we all agree the NBA regular season is not that exciting, but I think we're going to have an exciting NBA postseason this year with the teams that I just listed. Yeah, and we said that before the season that like this year teams are a lot more even, that the, the whole field is a lot more even. But it's insane that the Milwaukee Bucks are looking as good as they are. Mm -hmm. If they play at the top pace in the league, they play so fast and they score so many points and they're fifty three and nine, right? That's is that their fifty three and nine. Yeah, they are twenty eight and three at home, and they are twenty five and six on the road. That team is so stacked or so good, and they're not even really like a stacked offensive team in terms of stars. Like, yeah, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's always an MVP candidate, but then you have Chris Middleton, uh, Connington. You know, like these are guys that are great role players. I mean, Middleton's a great number two guy, but. I mean, like the Lakers, they have such a stacked roster. The Clippers have such a stacked roster. In reality, though, their great uh, record could be just a result that they play in the East. Right? Sure. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they're 34 and 5 in the Eastern Conference. The, the first round, they're going to be playing Orlando and they'll sweep them. Uh, and then they'll play the winner of the Heat and the Pacers, who will, I, I think either of those teams could challenge them, not probably beat them, but at least make it challenge, at least beat them up a little bit. Um, and a lot of people are really high on Miami. So Miami, they're actually just coming off a win against the Bucks a couple games ago. So I mean, we'll see. I mean, Miami's a team that, to watch out for. I I think that the Bucks are the clear favorite, but I think a team to watch out for in the East uh, that people aren't now they're starting to talk about them. They weren't before is the Miami Heat. I I think that the representative of the East will either be one of three teams. I think it'll either be the Bucks, the Heat, and a not so biased prediction, the Boston Celtics, because the Boston Celtics are one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. That's who I would guess too is, is the Celtics as well. Jason Tatum's really had a coming out party and after the All Star break. Yeah, he's, like he's, been, he's been playing out of his mind. He's been playing phenomenally. I think part of that is due to Kemba Walker being out, mm-hmm. but he still had before before Kemba Walker went down. Jason Tatum's been playing phenomenally this year. Yeah, there's a reason he made the All Star game, you know, because mm-hmm, he's awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I I love Jason Tatum, uh, and I think that. He and Jalen Brown are going to be superstars in Boston for a time for you know for years and years. I I think that Danny Ainge is quick to trade a lot of people. I don't think he's going to let either of those two guys go anytime soon. Uh, in the Western Conference, I really, really, really want it to be the Clippers versus the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. I think that would be the NBA Finals. I don't care if it's the Bucks versus the Lakers or Clippers. The most exciting series in the entire NBA postseason would be. The LA Clippers versus the LA Lakers. Oh, 100%. And because neither team has a home court advantage. Just one team's going to have their color of the court four games. The other team's going to have their colors in the court three games. But it's the same building. I think the Lakers fans will show out more than the Clippers fans, though. I don't know. It's, it's, the Clippers are the Clippers have a pretty good fan base. Not as not as good as the Lakers. Yeah, but it, I, you know that, that's the thing though. Like like I feel like the Lakers fan base is just so much bigger. Like that they're literally just going to take over that. I mean, hopefully it happens. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Does the seeding work out that way right now? Well, they'll make the the only way they play each other in the playoffs is if they make the Western Conference. Okay. Because the Lakers are number one and the Clippers are number two. Okay, gotcha. The Lakers would have to play the eight seed in the first round and the winner of the four five seed in the second round. Yeah. And the Clippers would have to play the seven seed, which right now is Dallas, and then they play the winner of the three six matchup. The seventh Dallas is the seventh seed. They're that low. Dallas is the seventh seed. That's how the oh. Western Conference. The Western Conference. Is That's so, scary, man. If I'm the Clippers, I'm like that is not an easy series. Like that's Dallas, not who you want in the first. Yeah, round. Dallas could easily not easily, but they could beat them in that series. Yeah, man, the Western Conference is so interesting. I'm actually very excited for the NBA playoffs. Yeah, first time in a while. Yeah, and congratulations to Tim Duncan, who got his first win as a head coach. He stepped in for Pop the other night and got the W. Yeah, that was incredible, man. I love him with the, his hair now. He should have had that when he played. He probably didn't want people pulling on it yeah, when he was playing. That makes sense. Now he's a little, he, he probably was living under strict rules with Greg Popovich. Now he's feeling a little more free. Yeah, there you go. That's true. Uh, good for the big fundamental and uh, good for the NBA. The NBA is exciting now. Yeah, I mean Steph Curry's back with the Warriors, but they're fourteen to forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean it's always more exciting just to see Steph Curry play. Oh, such sure. an incredible player! So, absolutely. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of the NBA season. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the world of sports. Mike has one more thing for you: some interesting news that came up just today. So, just today, Sports Illustrated is reporting that they are trying. ESPN is trying to take Al Michaels away from NBC. And they're trying to get Peyton Manning as the pair for Monday Night Football. Because we all know Monday Night Football, the commentators that they've had since John Gruden left have not been good. Let's just be candid. They haven't been good. Like, Jason Witten sucked. <laughs> he's horrible. He was horrible. And Booker McFarland's okay. I mean, he's... Not great. Okay is, like, 
a stretch. But Peyton Manning <laughs> is somebody that people have wanted to do commentating since he retired. And I think he was staying away from jobs like that because he didn't want to analyze Eli. Okay, yeah. Or be around people who are going to be criticizing Eli. Because Peyton wouldn't have never criticized Eli. No. But he would have been around people who would not be afraid to. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So he would have so, wanted to deal with that stress. So now that Eli is retired and that won't be a factor, I think we might see Peyton Manning do this. Because CBS reportedly wanted to give uh, Tony Romo's job to Peyton Manning when they were negotiating. They're like, you know, when they were negotiating with Tony Romo, it's like, we could easily get Peyton Manning. See, the thing is, I don't know if Peyton Manning has the voice for it. You know, like he's a very charismatic dude. Obviously, is a very smart guy. I just feel like his voice is a little too monotone and a little lacks as much charisma as Tony Romo. Yeah, I, I mean, talk about any Giants fan will say we hated Tony Romo when he was playing, but yeah. I think he's a fantastic commentator. Do you think he deserved all that money? I know some of the players were pissed off, like your boy Odell Beckham was giving him some shit. Yeah, but screw Odell. Yeah. <laughs> screw, Odell's about to be traded again. Okay? okay? You know, it's like when you're in a relationship after a relationship, maybe the problem isn't the person that you were with. The problem is you. Yeah. And that's how I feel about Odell Beckham. But, <laughs> no, I, I think – I think Tony Romo. I, I I don't know what the average comparing to what other people make doing that job. Oh, it's probably way more. So it's probably way more. <laughs> yeah. So probably it's a little overpaid, but at the same time, I don't care. Everybody talks about how nobody talks about how bad Tony Romo is at yeah. that job. Everyone talks about how great he is at that yeah. job. So yeah, Tony Romo is getting his payday at CBS, and Dak Prescott is not getting his payday at the Cowboys. So <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's CBS. They're a massive conglomerate. They're allowed to do whatever the hell they want with their money. Like who cares? I know. <laughs> Pay everybody. I don't C- care. CBS has produced my favorite show of all time and still to this day, Survivor, so they can do whatever they want. Oh, yeah, exactly. And then they had How I Met Your Mother as well. So, I mean, yeah, they, they, they've been killing it. They have, they, 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 they're a huge network. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good for Tony Romo. Uh, hopefully, if this Al Michaels and Peyton Manning thing does happen, it'll be nice to have a, a switch up on Monday Night Football. But who would be on Sunday Night Football with Chris Collinsworth now? Who's the guy they would bring in? Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tariko. They Tariko. Probably, they probably just have him be the full-time guy because he does it for uh whenever they're on um not sunday but they still use the nbc broadcast the thursday night whenever they cover a thursday night game yeah yeah he's a a syracuse guy yeah exactly yeah mike trico's great he used to do monday night football too so he was with gruden that was a great pair yeah and then they they lost both of them and it's like well yeah i mean these guys are always jumping ship but uh Another point of NFL offseason that is just very interesting, you know, not even with the players, but with the announcers. Yeah, the NFL is just so great because they're part of that. They're part of the game day experience. Yeah, they are. They, and I think that if I'm Al Michaels, I, I think he started on Monday night. I think he started with ESPN with uh, John Madden. I yeah. think. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. I, I think he did start on Monday Night Football. If, if he didn't start, he was there for a while. Right. So it, it would just it, it would be an exciting change. No, yeah, absolutely. I'm not someone who likes change, but that's an exciting one. Yeah. Uh, everyone talks about Peyton Manning would do in this job. I actually would like to actually hear it. Yeah. And see it and see if people were right. And obviously, if he stinks, they're not going to keep him around for that long. You got a producer, you're going. Yeah, exactly. And Peyton Manning, he has a lot of other avenues that you can make money from. So if he knows he's not good at it, he's not going to s- stick with it. Yeah. And if he, also, <laughs> if he doesn't like it. So. Yeah, exactly. So. Well, we'll see what happens with that. That was our other sports news, even though we snuck a little bit more football in there. Because obviously, we just love football on this damn podcast. So uh, there you go. Sorry, you guys, for uh, the delay, the holdup on another damn sports podcast. That After the Super Bowl ends, you kind of got to wait to accrue all of the interesting sports news. And I think... 
at this week, finally, we were able to talk a lot of basketball, and then we have enough NFL offseason news to cover with you guys as well. Yeah, thanks for tuning in, guys. We are sorry we weren't able to do a show last couple weeks, but we are excited to be back, and we are excited to continue to cover all of the NFL offseason moves, especially the ones that pertain to the Jaguars and the Giants. And uh, we'll keep you posted on things during the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments. And, hey, maybe uh, maybe Pat will be right and the Bonnies will do well. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, everybody listening to this podcast loves the St. Bonaventure Bonnies. <laughs> yeah. And thanks for listening, guys. And that was another damn sports podcast. <laughs>